Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Well, it's our 100th episode, Simone. Can you believe we made it? <laughs> yes. And uh, I think we, there's no better way to mark this milestone um, than to have Louisiana's governor, Governor John Bell Edwards, on Delta Dispatches. It's a huge honor, and there's so much to talk about, and we know the governor's busy, so we really appreciate uh, your time. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Governor. Thank you, Jacques and Simone. It's great to be with you. So let's jump right in. We're right on the heels recovering or, or the aftermath of Barry. Yeah. So how do you think your team performed? How do you think Louisiana performed? Well, the, the team performed extremely well. And by the team, I mean our federal partners, all the state agencies, our local partners. But having said that, and I'm going to get back to, to why I said that, we're still very thankful that Mother Nature didn't give us all the rain that had been forecasted. Uh, that would have been uh, very problematic. Uh, uh, and people, especially in the Baton Rouge area, can remember back to 2016 and how devastating those floods were. And we were talking initially about rain forecasts that would equal those uh, from 2016. And so we're thankful that that didn't happen. However, it was still a major storm. It, it, it made landfall as a hurricane. Um, and I think when all is said and done, uh, we're going to find out that the storm surge, uh, at least in southeast Louisiana, was every bit what was advertised and perhaps a little bit more. Uh, it was probably right on track in, in terms of uh, the central uh, part of the of coastal Louisiana with respect to storm surge. But I think the, the team performed really well. And, and the reason I say that is that the communications were excellent and they started early between the National Weather Service, the Corps of Engineers, FEMA. We had FEMA representatives in Baton Rouge days before Lampo. And the actual FEMA Region 6 coordinator out of Denton, Texas, spent three full days on the ground here. And, and so that, that was very helpful in terms of getting the pre-landfall declaration, which is something you don't see terribly often. The fact that we got a pre-landfall federal declaration is evidence of just how serious the National Weather Service thought this storm could be. Uh, to, to be honest with you, uh, but it was it was very helpful. Then the state, uh, we we positioned people and resources pretty aggressively, uh, based on the forecast. Uh, and and so, for example, three thousand National Guardsmen with all their equipment, including high water vehicles, uh, were staged across uh, South Louisiana. We had more than three hundred buses at three vehicle staging areas. Uh, some in New Orleans, others in Gonzales, Lafayette area um we opened state shelters uh so that so that if we were going to be doing the um search and rescue we would have shelters to bring people to uh and and we opened those early and and so forth so i think the 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 effort was good um and it's just july and so even though it was a real storm uh it it does help us to prepare for the next one which in all likelihood will come Later this year, you know, just based on the law of averages, uh, we could see another storm this year. So uh, I, I said it at the time, I really appreciate all of the local officials, all the levy authorities, the fire departments and sheriff's departments and, and uh, police jurors, parish presidents, you name it. Just a tremendous effort there. Um, and then our, our state agencies, they just really performed well, um, including CPRA uh, that uh that obviously has a particular interest when it comes to flooding and, and levees and pumps and and so forth, uh, did extremely well. And in addition to the National Guard, which people are accustomed to seeing, but people don't quite have the same visibility of 
the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority and, and their interaction with the various levy authorities around the state of Louisiana. So ironically, you were in Terrebonne Parish for their coastal day and you, you gave a, a speech to the to the group there. That day was about showing off protection and restoration, but that, that system was really put to the test. It was. Um, and so I will give you some information that we were given by the folks in Terrebonne Parish uh, after the storm. And, and that is they believe that the storm surge from Barry equaled or exceeded what they got from Gustav and Ike. And with respect to Gustav and Ike, uh, there were more than 10,000 structures that took water. Uh, with respect to Hurricane Barry, which, which had at least as, the same storm surge and perhaps more, it was a couple hundred structures. The difference was the work that has happened in the meantime on their levee system. And so the message that we delivered at Coastal Day in Terrebonne Parish was to thank them for their work, their effort over the years. Uh, and, and the people in Terrebonne Parish, the local elected officials, they didn't wait until the federal government showed up and said, hey, let us build your levy system for you. Um, they they got started. They taxed themselves. Now, look, they, they're not bashful about seeking federal and state resources, but and we, we have been able to partner with them. But I think it is very helpful for the people in Terrebonne Parish to know, and really people all over Louisiana, that in the two areas where you had levy overtopping in Terrebonne Parish from, from Barrie, both of those areas were undergoing construction. And so the the problem areas had already been identified. Uh, construction's ongoing, and this was down in the Dularge area and Point of Shen, um, if memory serves me. But both areas were under construction. Those levees are being increased in their height, uh, and it, it made a tremendous difference for the people in Terrebonne Parish. Uh, and if you look around the state of Louisiana, our levee system performed extremely well. Um, we had a couple of places in Lower Plaquemines Parish, but one of those was a construction site. The other one was a back uh, levee that, that overtopped, but not, I don't think there was a structure that took on water as a result of that, and Highway 23 never closed. Uh, and, and the work that CPRA did uh, allowed us to, to target that area in Myrtle Grove because we, we anticipated that the overtopping would occur, so we were able to shore it up in advance and then position people and, and uh resources so that as soon as we were able, we could get in there and finish um, uh, fortifying that levee and, and stopping that, that overtopping as soon as possible. So the levee is incredibly important. Um, and sometimes we talk about levees, obviously they're, they're part of protection, um, but, you know, restoration is protection too. Now, not all protection is restoration, but all restoration is protection because what you can't have is the Gulf of Mexico lapping at the base of the levees. And so every time we increase uh, the restoration effort and build marsh, we know that that dissipates the storm surge. And, and the further out away from our levees that you can make that happen, the better off you, you're going to be. And, and so that's why all of the work that we do, it isn't just on the con- levee construction side, it's all of the restoration. It, it's all important in, in terms of, of playing that role and keeping that storm surge is as far away from the, the populated areas and the levees as possible. Um, and, and so th- that's why we, we're promoting all of our work at CPRA, which is about 50% restoration, 50% protection. Uh, but 
I happen to think it's 100% protection. That's a, because I, I, I believe restoration is protection. So, Well, we certainly agree with that, Governor. And um, one of the other things that really stood out from Barry, it, it came on the heels of what's been an unprecedented year of flooding on the Mississippi River. Um, it was the first time a hurricane made landfall while the Mississippi River was in flood stage. Um, of course, the storm surge that was uh, initially anticipated never materialized on the river. But um, how... Can Louisiana be better prepared to confront, you know, this situation going yeah. forward? Well, let me tell you, that that is something that's brand new, and um, it presents its own challenges because the Corps of Engineers controls uh, the structures on the river with respect to the diversions, whether you're talking about the Bonacary, which has been open twice this year and in consecutive years, each of those for the first time in history, but also the Morganza uh, Spillway. And, and they do so according to a playbook that only turns on what the stage of the river is, what is the height of the water, and what is the flow rate. Um, and, and so the interaction with storm surge is not something that they take into account, and that is because this is the first time we've ever had a storm hit while the Mississippi River is at flood stage. But it's been at flood stage for over 270 consecutive days, the longest in history. So obviously the Corps is going to have to do some work to make sure that it's uh, paying attention to other factors rather than just uh, the the flow rate in the stage if we believe, and, and I think we have ample reason to believe, that this won't be the last time that the river is going to be at flood stage when, when uh, a hurricane approaches or other, another storm that might cause some um, storm surge that would interact with the river and potentially cause some levees to be overtopped. And as you remember, early on in, with respect to Barry, there was a forecast that the uh, levees in Lower Plaquemines Parish, the river levees, might overtop. So it's something they need to take into consideration. The other thing is we need to figure out whether it might be helpful to have additional diversions uh, where we need them further north on the river to feed uh, the fresh water uh, and the nutrients into some some marsh and swamp that really need that 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 could be helpful uh, as well with respect to um, and and they're part of our our overall plan uh, but that might help the core to better manage uh, the river levels uh, going forward also but but the the, the river levels are, are something I think we can anticipate this is going to happen uh, going forward and so we need to we need to change. Uh, our approach. Now, I, d- I don't know exactly what that means because, uh, for example, uh, had they made the decision once they knew Barry was going to hit to open the Morganza Spillway, the decreased river stage, by the time the water flows to New Orleans, would have arrived too late to help, and you would have been putting more water down in the Morgan City area, which is exactly where the storm hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, this is not an easy uh, exercise to try to figure out what this should look like, but it is something we have to be intentional about, especially now that we know it's not just a theoretical possibility. Uh, this is something that we, we should anticipate to, to happen with increasing frequency going forward, and so we're going to have to make sure that we're working with the core uh, and they can update what they're doing. I heard you describe that as a risk transfer, and I think that's really important to, to think of it that way, that your decisions have consequences and when you have to make them. And But I'm glad you clarified that on how those structures are even operated. It's something that we need to think about how we can manage that into the future. Yeah, and, and it's, not, it's not instantaneous. You know, the people in the United States today 
uh, we we're accustomed to to things happen instantaneously, and so you it takes a while to to stage the equipment to get the gates open. You typically open in a way that with a soft opening. Uh, you you make sure the farmers and and people who own property and have equipment have an opportunity to move that stuff. And so it's not it's not as easy and instantaneous as a lot of mm-hmm. people uh, believe. And um, it wasn't just a risk transfer as it related to the Morganza, by the way, um, uh, relative to, okay, might it help lower Plaquemines if we open the Morganza and send more water towards Morgan City, which, is, as you know, is where Barry actually ended up making landfall. But if we should we open all the gates on the Bonacary? And if that happens, what happens to the Pontchartrain and Maurepas, uh lake levels? Because those are going to be influenced by the storm Doesn't surge as well, and to right. St. John the Baptist and St. Charles. And so, so you have all these complicated risk transfer issues, and you got timing issues. There's nothing easy about them. Um, and and since those those structures are under the exclusive control of the Corps of Engineers, I mean, we we can have conversations with them about it, but but we don't control uh, what they do. Uh, I think it's I think it's essential that that uh, that we use the time that we have to prepare for the next time this happens. Okay, Governor, we're about to head into a break. If you don't mind holding on for one more segment, I want to we talk have about restoration. <laughs> some more questions that Simone has to get to right when we're back from the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore or Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. It's our 100th episode, and we're here with Governor John Bell Edwards. 
So Welcome Governor, back, Governor. Yeah. We'd like to touch on, before the break, we were talking about restoration. And um, can you take a quick look back and say what you're proud of, some accomplishments that you're proud of in restoration? But we definitely want to look forward as well. Well, I- I'm proud of the fact that we really do have a sense of urgency. We're in a race against time, and that's not just a talking point. That's that's the reality. Uh, so as soon as the revenue streams really became available in a meaningful way, you see us moving forward with large-scale projects. In fact, the two biggest projects in the history of the state, the Kamenata Headlands, Whiskey Island, those have both been done. In the current year, uh, we're going to have more uh, restoration protection projects um, in construction than ever before in the history of the state. And that's because we, we have the restore dollars that are now becoming available to us in a significant way, but also uh, the Go Mesa funding. Uh, and, and I'm also proud of the fact that, that we are trying to minimize the role that politics plays in this by maximizing the role that science plays. Uh, because I think you have to you have to do this in a way that uh, uh, engenders public confidence, not just in Louisiana, but around the country and in Washington, D.C., because at the end of the day, uh, while we have significant revenues coming in, it's not enough to pay for our master plan. And so we're going to need some more help from the federal government. And if we're proceeding in a way in Louisiana that is inconsistent with our plan, inconsistent with science, it's going to be much harder to get Congress to say, yeah, this should be a national effort and we should bring additional federal resources to Louisiana to help with their master plan. And so you, you're you going to see more construction going on. We're going to make more headway uh, with respect to restoration and protection uh, across coastal Louisiana. There are four and a half million people. I'm sorry, two and a half million people out of the four and a half who live here, uh, but two and a half live and work in coastal Louisiana. Uh, so this is just incredibly important, and 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 I think what you see uh, is is a is a effort that acknowledges that this is uh, essential for Louisiana. That we are in a race against time. Uh, there is a sense of urgency, and and you know we've been able to get unanimous um, uh, votes out of the legislature to advance the the master plan. Uh, so that's that's another idea, just how, regardless of whether you might come from Monroe or Shreveport, this effort along the coast is incredibly important. Additionally, Governor, there uh, as you know, two coastal master plan projects um, in Plaquemines Parish, um, the Mid-Baratari and Mid-Breton yeah. sediment diversions that are moving forward as part of the engineering and design of those projects. Why are those projects, uh, in, in your opinion, so important to our future? Well, it sort of goes back to what I said a while ago. If you're going to allow science to dictate what you do, um, we know that the scientific com- the science community, I should say, there is a, a strong consensus that reconnecting the river to coastal Louisiana to the marshes is the single most important thing that we can do from a long-term perspective because the sediment was disconnected from the marshes when we levied the river. Uh, and we know that up until the time we did that in the late 20s, early 30s, uh, that, that we were growing land in coastal Louisiana. That reversed that process. It started this this whole, uh, you know, era where we're losing about a, f- a football field of land every 90 minutes or so. Uh, and so reconnecting is important and doing it on both sides of the river there in Plaquemines Parish. And and we're going to move forward. Uh, and, and obviously, it's still relatively early, uh, and we have to do the entire environmental assessment. 
uh, and we're gonna we're gonna eliminate whatever risk can be eliminated, and those that can't will be minimized, and we will then mitigate it as we need to do that. But reconnecting the sediment from the Mississippi River uh, with coastal Louisiana is really important. The other the other part of this is we know that we're going to be dredging the Mississippi River uh, forever, and there's beneficial use of that dredge material. And if you do that in conjunction with the sediment diversions, then they complement one another, and two plus two is six rather than being four. And we're going to get a lot more out of the beneficial use of that dredge material uh, when we when we put it where we want to put it uh, in conjunction with the operation of these sediment diversions. So uh, we're going to move forward as, as quickly as we can, but as careful as we need to as well uh, so, so that uh, we maximize the beneficial impacts of, of these diversions. So can we talk about money? I like to talk about that quite a bit. So yes. <laughs> you hit on um, you hit on Gomesa and the restore dollars becoming available. It's helped us here in Louisiana that we've said that we would put that money towards restoration, and yeah. we've stuck to that, right? Well, it's in the Constitution, too. In the Constitution. And so people don't have to worry about uh, these dollars being diverted. Uh, we're In fact, we're not just spending those dollars, but, but we're spending capital outlay dollars. We're spending surplus so dollars. Uh, and one of the things that I really wanted to do to demonstrate how serious we take this is we allocated surplus dollars from last year to make up for some dollars that were diverted uh, previously. In fact, to the tune of $55 million, which exceeded the amount that was diverted because I wanted people to know just how serious uh, we are uh, about this. And that's helpful to our program, right? We want to build all those projects. You know, we have these large-scale projects we all need to put on the ground. And Jacques talked about the diversions, but we're also looking at a lot of barrier island work next year, including uh, we have Queen Bess as well, so three barrier islands. So um, that money will definitely be put to good use. Yeah, the Queen Bess, which which is going to be done in partnership with Wildlife and Fisheries, that that's going to be tremendously important. And I think when the people of Louisiana see that we restore the Queen Bess Island and then how integral that is to the, the population enhancement of, of brown pelicans, for example, you know, it's, it's, it, and it's obviously more land between the Gulf and, and the people and the levee system. So it, it's all going to work uh, in concert. I, I think I think all of that is incredibly important. Again, if, if you're, if you're going to say you have a sense of urgency and you're in a race against time and you have the funding on hand and you're not delivering projects, then people see through it. You're not, you're not serious. And so that's why I've, I've charged Chip Klein and the CPRA of, of delivering as many projects as possible, working with, uh, with local officials to the maximum extent that we can, uh, working with the Corps of Engineers to make sure that we're, we're moving uh, more quickly. You know, but we have a lot of work to do around um, levees, around uh, uh, floodgates and, and, and uh, pump stations, in addition to the, to the restoration work that, that we're doing. Um, and, and so I'm not prepared to sit here today and say we're doing everything we need to do as fast as we need to do it. I can tell you we're doing a lot better. Uh, much, much better. And we're moving as fast as our resources will allow us because we're still more resource constrained uh, than we want to be. But we're moving as fast as the, the those resource constraints will allow us. There's a couple things that I think could really help, one of which is if the Restore Act funding were bondable, you know, uh, that would be very, very helpful. Uh, but but it, they're not currently. And, and, and until there's a change in, in uh, I think, the statutory language 
at Congress, that's that's not going to be the case. But that's that's one thing that we can we can try to do to, to enhance the speed with which we deliver these projects. Governor, you've touched on this throughout the interview, but I also want to give you a chance to emphasize. Um, in 2018, at the State of the Coast Conference, you indicated that as it relates to Louisiana's coastal land loss crisis, that this is Louisiana's moment. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, in the future, looking back, why is this moment in time so critical and why should people, you know, rally around the work that's being done on to protect and restore Louisiana's coast? Well, this is our time because we can't wait till tomorrow. It's also our time because, as I mentioned, we have the significant resources available now, which is unlike the, what the case was uh, previously. And we have a very good master plan uh, that has now been embraced on three occasions by the legislatures in better shape than it's ever been. Uh, it is based upon science. And, and so for all of those reasons, it is our time to deliver as, as much as we can deliver so that the plan moves from being something that's rather academic uh, and theoretical into something that is tangible and is producing results, uh, kind of like the results that we saw with Hurricane Barry, uh, where the levees performed so well, much, much better than they ever have. And not just along the coast, but, you know, we actually exercised the, the hurricane risk reduction system for the first time ever in New Orleans. Uh, and closed all the gates, engaged all the pumps, and it was buttoned up and performed exactly like it was supposed to. I'm not going to tell you it received the test that we had anticipated, but there was a test of the system, uh, and it performed very well. So, so this is our time for all of those reasons, uh, and more, uh, because I'm convinced, as I mentioned earlier, the day is going to come when we're going to have to go back to our congressional delegation and ask them to ask the country for more assistance because we don't have all the resources necessary to deliver the full $50 billion coastal restoration master plan. And if we're not moving forward uh, as quickly as we can based on science and delivering sound projects, how are we ever going to have the confidence of the people in Congress and the American people, generally speaking, that, that yeah, that's an investment we want to make. So this is our time. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into our favorite uh, segment on the show, which is the fun question. Um, okay. You know, you mentioned 2.5 million people uh, live and work across coastal Louisiana, but even for people as far north as Shreveport or, hey, even Iowa, there's a special relationship that they have with Louisiana's coast. So um, the fun question I wanted to ask you, Governor, is what is your favorite memory on coastal Louisiana? Oh, wow. So there are a lot of them, and they typically involve hunting and fishing, and <laughs> and, and, my, and 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 going with my son John Miller, who who loves those those activities probably more than I do, and it's the the best quality time that I spend with him, um, because if the ducks aren't flying, you can you can talk, you know, and, <laughs> and you can talk the whole time that you're fishing. Uh, so I would just tell you it, it's going down uh, with John Miller uh, fishing for trout for, for redfish and and, uh, and hunting and, and just enjoying you know we, we know that we live in the sportsman's paradise uh, and some people take it for granted and I try very very hard not to and to not allow my children uh, to do that. And so I, I will just tell you, just, just being able to get out with him. And, and by the way, I take my daughters too, but, but, but they don't seem to enjoy it as much as he does. And so that's, that's why I talk principally about my son, John Miller, uh, when it comes to these things. Um, but, but just to be able to get out there and enjoy, uh, the sportsman's paradise and, and the tremendous 
uh, assets that we have in Louisiana along the coast, which, you, you know, it, it's just a beautiful um, place to be. And, and the, the it's so much fun to go out and, and catch fish, come back here and cook them. <laughs> or to go out and, and have a great duck hunt and come back here and, and cook those as well. So that would be my favorite memory. Okay, well, I think that can resonate with a lot of people, but yeah. I won't ask you to reveal your favorite uh, secret fishing holes <laughs> or hunting holes, so you can keep that secret. So, Governor, we as we wrap up our, our time with you today, what is the final thought that you want to leave with? Um, we have audience, uh, maybe, beyond just Louisiana, mm-hmm. mostly Louisiana. Um, what What is your final coastal thought that you want to leave? folks here with, whether it be that look back or, or that look forward? Well, for decades, we've been talking about coastal land loss as just being a tremendous challenge and, and one that that would uh, potentially adversely impact all of those people who, who live and, and work along the coast. And I want them to start looking not so much as a challenge, although it remains a challenge, but as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get something right. Uh, and to develop in Louisiana um, not only a plan that works and the funding necessary to implement the plan, but to develop a level of expertise and experience, whether it's the Water Institute in the Gulf or whether it's our universities, the, the uh, nonprofit sector. Uh, everybody who's dedicated to coastal restoration protection, we're going to develop an exportable commodity here that, that will be in demand across the globe and around the country in a way that it's not today because about 40% of the people in the United States of America live in a coastal county. Okay, And and so we may be the canary in the coal mine, but this is an issue coming to other states all around our country and certainly it's going to be visited upon countries around the world. And I believe the day is coming soon when people are going to say we have this problem who do we go to for help? Who has the experience, the expertise, the knowledge to deal with this? And they're going to come knocking on the doors of folks right here in Louisiana. Uh, and so there's a lot of jobs that can be created here as we restore the coast, as we engage in, in these uh, protection uh, projects. Uh, and then and then this, this is going to be a, a growth uh, industry around the world. And, and just another uh, place where I think we can take advantage of an opportunity and not just a challenge. Well, I think that's an excellent spot to end the conversation. And again, Governor, thank you so much for your time and for all of your work on um, Louisiana's coast. Um, That was an amazing conversation. It's going to be hard to top episode 100 going forward, I think, Simone. (laughs) Thank you, Jacques and Simone. Appreciate it. Thank you, Governor. Appreciate it. Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And you're listening to our 100th episode. What a way to you know, celebrate 100. I agree. I'm, I still can't believe we made it. <laughs> Are you sure you counted correctly? Exactly. No, I think <laughs> we're, we're at 100. And You know, that was certainly a wonderful conversation. We hit on so many important topics, um, and we're just so grateful to the governor for spending some time on our little 
podcast and radio show. Um, and we gave him some ideas to have his own. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But really, Jacques, we've been so lucky with all the guests that we've had in the past. We really are. It's, and I say this all the time. It's it's selfishly for us. <laughs> and we get to know people and topics and learn new things. And so it's been so fun. And it just shows, you know, there's no shortage of people that are working on this or that are impacted by it, right? We've had... Uh, scientists, certainly. We've had book authors, journalists, Meteorologists. local journalists, national journalists. We've had, um, you know, elected officials, of course. Um, you know, just community members, business leaders. So many people, and you know, it, it, we we set out to discuss Louisiana's coast. It's people, wildlife, and jobs, and I think we do a good job of striking that balance. You've kind of, you know, called me out on talking about birds too much, but I think I've reined that in. I know, wait, it has, wait, what about oysters? We have had several episodes. Exactly. We need to get back to that. I know, back to the basics. I think we will in upcoming episodes have yeah, some. Yeah, there is no shortage of stuff for us to talk about. Familiar voices on the yeah. show. And um, yeah, thank you to our listeners for, for, you know, sticking with us through this journey. Of course, you can always catch up on prior episodes. Um, but, you know, when we set out to do this, we said, you know, what's going to happen when an A-Bear and a, and a Terrio walk into a radio station? Well, we've added a Chauvin Yay! to the mix, Ryan Chauvin, who is the we, If he wizard. wasn't a Chauvin, we would have changed his name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but thank God he already was one. <laughs> um, exactly. But, you know, Ryan is the wizard behind the curtain that, you know, brings the show to you every week and makes sure it's up on our social media. He's and forced to listen to us, and he is always kind when he tells us we do a good job. <laughs> And just keeps it to himself when we don't. <laughs> He's the third leg of the Delta Dispatches stool. He so, is. We couldn't um, do it without you. Yeah. So. so we've got our trio. And, I like and literally mean we could not do this without you. <laughs> so do I record on my iPhone? Yeah. How does that work? No, just kidding. But thank you, Ryan. Um, and yeah, so I'm really looking forward to uh, the upcoming episodes that we have in the weeks ahead. Um, but we cannot disappoint our listeners on our 100th episode. We absolutely have to do a Coastal Stat yeah, of the Week. they thought we were going to screw that up for our mm-hmm. 100th episode. So, so I'm in charge of the Coastal Stat of the Week, and the governor mentioned it when he was talking to us. But um, So here's the Coastal Stat of the Week. From the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, um, from their website, is, quote, Our treasured coast is home to more than 2 million people who live, work, and play in coastal Louisiana, just as many of our families have done for generations. Uh, certainly, I grew up a along the coast and that's two million people along our coast and that doesn't include our whole state which an overwhelming majority have concern about what happens in coastal Louisiana. Exactly yeah even when you go up into um, you know northern Louisiana we've done polling that says 97 percent of people feel that Louisiana's coast is personally important to them which brings me to a new segment mm, we're speaking introducing of where I grew up on uh, Delta Dispatches called the Coastal Voice of the Week. And so you all may remember, but several months ago, we did an ad that featured a lot of you know beautiful children who live on Louisiana's coast, grew up on Louisiana's coast, really making the case for restoration from their perspective. This is about me. This is about mm-hmm. my future. Um, and so we asked people to share with us their stories of why coast, Louisiana's coast is personally important to them, but also why coastal restoration is so important. So on our website, restorethecoast.org, we have a map and we've collected all of those responses. We've had over a thousand responses oh, wow. from across the state. I think 64 parishes, if not almost 64 parishes. Who's I think the outlier? 
I think Bienville might be the whole Bienville, so if, step it up, if man. If you're listening from Bienville Parish or if you know anyone in Bienville Parish, please encourage them to go to RestoreTheCoast.org. And if you're not in Bienville Parish, please go online and let us know why Louisiana's coast is personally important to you. What's your favorite memory on the coast? We heard from the governor about that. Um, but we'll have to put him on the map. Exactly. <laughs> but um, today we're going to hear from Mary in Homa, Louisiana. And Mary says, I support our coast because this is my home. I've had every opportunity to move away, but I can't stand the thought of leaving coastal Louisiana. I am proud to live in Homa and raise my family here. I want the future generations to experience the same joys of coastal living that I had. Protect our coast today to help me protect their future. I love that. Well said. So it's your homegirl, well homegirl Mary in uh-huh. Homa. So let's I know hear Mary. from more no, no. of you. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we'll share that every week. and hopefully... So people can still do that though, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It'll be uh, ongoing. And, you know, we just want to hear from people about why this issue is important to them or, you know, why the coast is important to them. So, um, you know, go online, restorethecoast.org, share your response, but also read those of others. There's a lot of entries, a lot of really great stories. I like stories. to go look for my friends' names. <laughs> you can zoom into the map. Like, and where's be like, Victoria? I'm where curious what people in Violet are saying about all this. <laughs> and then you get to hear uh, from folks in Violet. So, yeah, I mean, or from wherever across the state. So definitely check it out again at restorethecoast.org. Well, an amazing episode. Cheers Simone. to 100. Cheers to you. I don't know anyone else I'd rather be doing this with. Um, and it's been a wild and fun ride. And I look forward to 100 more. 100 more. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, this has been Delta Dispatches. As a reminder, you can catch up on all 100 episodes wow. on DeltaDispatches.org. You can binge listen. Exactly. <laughs> uh, stock up before your next flight. Um, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>